In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, this is about the fifth or sixth take of this. Either my notes are blowing around or the lawnmower starts going or something. So I hope it, hope it works out this time. But welcome to you. I hope this uh, view is a wonderful uh, comfort to you. It is such a beautiful day. We wanted to offer this to you from, from outside on our beautiful grounds. Uh, we just heard a famous passage from Father Trent. Uh, it is the road to Emmaus, this uh, really wonderful uh, resurrection account from the end of the Gospel of Luke. It takes place uh, late on Easter afternoon. I think there is just something strange about the way that Luke writes it. Uh, we get all this detailed banter between Jesus and these disciples. But when Jesus starts to explain the Scriptures about how all the law and the prophets point to Him, we get nothing. We get nothing. Seven miles from the lips of the resurrected Son of God about how the Word of God all points to Him, and Luke doesn't tell us any of it. I mean, don't you want to know what He said? Uh, this is one of the movies that I want to stream when I get to heaven. You know, Bible study with Jesus. It all, all of the Hebrew Scriptures, all of the Old Testament uh, for us, it points to Jesus. What did Jesus talk about? Did He talk about Noah's Ark and how God d provided the means of escape from His own judgment? Uh, did He talk about the parting of the Red Sea, how God delivered His people from slavery and from death along a path that only He could have made? Did He talk about David and Goliath? One unlikely champion standing before an unbeatable foe on behalf of his people. And when the champion wins, that victory is given to all the people of God. Did he talk about Psalm 22? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or Psalm 118, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Did he talk about Isaiah's suffering servant? Or about the prophet Jonah? In order to save the people on the ship, Jonah's cast into the sea, swallowed up in death, uh, depth and darkness for three days, and then burst forth to new life. What did Jesus say? We could go on and on speculating, but Luke doesn't tell us. There must be a reason. So what is Luke telling us? In our age of skepticism, and in this strange time of isolation and uncertainty. What is Luke telling us, teaching us, drawing our attention to in this famous passage? Well, I think he's telling us something about the nature of Christianity and something about the nature of Christ. Something about the nature of Christianity and something about the nature of Christ. So first, something about the nature of Christianity. You know, there's this idea out there in our world today that Christianity just, uh, it sort of developed over time. That a mythology was generated around a much beloved teacher uh, whose presence and teaching were so good and so powerful that his followers almost sensed his presence after his death. And as they told the stories around the campfires for generations and generations, eventually the stories claimed that they didn't just sense His presence, but they actually experienced His presence. And they believed it because, of course, people back then weren't scientific like us, and much more likely uh, were they to buy into superstition 
and supernatural accounts. Well, let me tell you, Luke absolutely lays that idea to rest when, with the details that he's given us. Let's take a look. These two disciples are walking along the road. They're talking about all that had happened over the weekend, and Jesus comes up. The resurrected Lord comes up and walks alongside it and says, Hey, what are you guys talking about? And, and first of all, they don't recognize Him. And there may have been something spiritual going on there. It's, it's a little hard to tell, but at the very least, at the very least, Jesus was the last person they were expecting to see alive on the road with them. Why? Because Jesus had died. They'd seen it for themselves. And second of all, when Jesus asks them what they're talking about, Luke gives us this little sentence. It's easy to overlook. He says, they stood still looking sad. They stood still looking sad. And they tell Jesus that they've heard about the resurrection from the women. And yet at this point, they have not even considered that the claim of resurrection was even a possibility. But they're not just sad about Jesus' death. They're also sad because Jesus had not done what they hoped that He would do. They say, we had hoped that He would be the one to redeem Israel. In other words, they were looking for a political Savior, a proper king, like King David, who was going to kick out the Romans and establish a free Israel. So, what is Luke telling us? about the nature of Christianity. He's telling us that the narrative of Jesus' resurrection wasn't developed over time by superstitious hopefuls. But he's telling us that virtually overnight, people who had absolutely no expectation of Jesus being a Savior of souls, but rather a Savior uh, to redeem Israel from the Roman occupation, not a Savior to redeem all of us from the occupation of sin in our hearts, and people who had absolutely no expectation of Jesus rising from the dead, because they knew as well as anybody that dead people don't rise, that literally overnight, that these grieved people with no expectation began to speak of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and they were entirely committed to proclaiming His resurrection, even at the cost of their own lives. Why? Because they saw Him. They talked to Him. They touched Him. They ate with Him. Luke is telling us that Christianity did not develop over time. Christianity started because Jesus rose from the grave, and people who did not believe that Jesus could or would be raised from the dead, who had no expectation that He had been raised from the dead, suddenly were gripped with the reality and the historical fact that He was risen. By telling the story this way, Luke is giving us evidence for the resurrection. That's the first thing. But he, Luke is also telling us, I think, something about the nature of Christ. And I find this particularly comforting. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like in this, this pandemic, this coronavirus time, that that I've gone through all the stages of grief. I, I first, I, I denied it. Then I got angry about it. Then I tried to figure out who to blame. And then I spent some time being real sad about it, kind of depressed. But now I'm in a place where I'm kind of resigned to it. 
And of course, you know, there's a lot of good things about it. Uh, there's family time and so forth. But I want to tell you, I'd go back to the way things were in a heartbeat. Right? I mean, I'd go back to having church in person and having kids in school and having our seniors graduate together. I'd be able to visit people in the hospital and hug people who are grieving. And Zoom would be a last resort. I don't have it all together right now. And I can still get down about it. And I wonder if maybe you can too. But the thing is that these disciples, they don't have it all together either. They're grieved. They're disappointed. They're disillusioned. And Christ comes to them right there. Right in that confusion. And they don't even know it's Him. And yet He's there, walking alongside them, speaking to them, nourishing them with encouragement. And at first, you know, Jesus just lets them talk. I mean, He certainly knows the answers to the question that He's asking, but He just says, what things? And He lets them talk. And when they've said their peace, He opens the Scriptures to them, and He points them to their Savior. And He comes to that Emmaus village, and He comes into the house with them, and there's a very Eucharistic feel to it, isn't there? He takes the bread, and He blesses the bread, and He breaks the bread, and He gives them the bread. And then what happens? Epiphany! Sudden realization! They realize that through their grief, through their journey along the road, through the mundane act of sitting down and eating bread at the table, that Christ was with them. Not just a memory of Him, not just the legacy of His good teaching and good vibes, but the risen Lord was with them, and He had been with them all along. And in that realization, He vanishes. And it wasn't just a camera trick, right? I mean, there was indeed something different about this risen Jesus. He wasn't only spiritual. I mean, he, he wasn't a ghost. He was a physical body that walked and ate. But he wasn't only physical because he vanished. And he could walk through walls, apparently, and, and you know, appear behind locked doors. He was risen, a spiritual body. And then, you know, these disciples, they don't say, Oh, man! Oh, hold on. Pause it right there. He's got to go. 